Hi, it's Katrina. We're going to be talking about filibusters and cloture in the Senate. And this is from the Congressional Research Service. And it was updated April the 7th, 2017. Summary. The filibuster is widely viewed as one of the Senate's most characteristic procedural features. Filibustering includes any use of dilatory or obstructive tactics to block a measure by preventing it coming from coming to a vote. The possibility of filibusters exists because Senate rules place few limits on senators' rights and opportunities in the legislative process. In particular, a senator who seeks recognition usually has a right to the floor if no other senator is speaking, and then that senator may speak for as long as he or she wishes. Also, there is no motion by which a simple majority of the Senate can stop a debate and allow itself to vote in favor of an amendment, a bill, a resolution or most other debatable questions. Most bills indeed are potentially subject to at least two filibusters before the Senate votes on final passage. First, a filibuster on a motion to proceed to the bill's consideration, and second, after the Senate agrees to this motion, a filibuster on the bill itself. Senate Rule 22, however, known as the cloture rule, enables senators to end a filibuster on any debatable matter the Senate is considering. Sixteen senators initiate this process by presenting a motion to end the debate. In most circumstances, the debate does not vote, the Senate does not vote on this cloture motion until the second day of session after the motion is made. Then it requires the votes of at least three-fifths of all senators, normally 60 votes, to invoke cloture. Invoking cloture on a proposal to amend the Senate's standing rules requires the support of two-thirds of the senators present and voting whereas cloture on nominations requires a numerical majority. The primary effect of invoking cloture on most questions is to impose a maximum of 30 additional hours for considering that question. This 30-hour period for consideration encompasses all time consumed by roll call votes, quorum calls, and other actions, as well as the time used for debate. Under cloture, as well, the only amendments senators can offer are ones that are germane and were submitted in writing before the cloture vote took place. Finally, the presiding officer also enjoys certain additional powers under cloture, such as, for example, the power to count, to determine whether a quorum is present, 
and to rule amendments, motions, and other actions out of order on the grounds that they are dilatory. Dilatory. The ability of senators to engage in filibusters has a profound and pervasive effect on how the Senate conducts its business on the floor. In the face of a threatened filibuster, for example, the majority leader may decide not to call a bill up for floor consideration or may defer calling it up if there are other equally important bills the Senate can consider and pass with less delay. Similarly, the prospect of a filibuster can persuade a bill's proponents to accept changes in the bill that they do not support, but that are necessary to prevent an actual filibuster. This report concentrates on the operation of closure under the general provisions of Senate Rule 22, Paragraph 2, though it also identifies key modifications to its application in recent years. This report will be updated as events warrant. The filibuster is widely viewed as one of the Senate's most distinctive procedural features. Today, the term is most often used to refer to senators holding the floor in extended debate. More generally, however, filibustering includes any tactics aimed at blocking a measure by preventing it from coming to vote. As a consequence, the Senate has no specific rules for filibustering. Instead, possibilities for filibustering exist because Senate rules lack provisions that would place specific limits on senators' rights and opportunities in the legislative process. In particular, those rules establish no generally applicable limits on the length of debate nor any motions by which a majority could vote to bring a debate to an end or even limit it. The only Senate rule that permits the body by vote to bring consideration of a matter to an end is paragraph 2 of Rule 22, known as the cloture rule. In general, invoking cloture requires a supermajority vote, usually 60 out of 100 senators, and in such cases, doing so does not terminate consideration, but only imposes a time limit. Cloture also imposes restrictions on certain other procedures that potentially could be used to dilatory effect. In recent years, as a result, cloture has increasingly been used to overcome filibusters by conducting not on being conducted not only by debate but through various other delaying tactics. This report discusses major aspects of Senate procedure related to filibusters and cloture. The two, however, are not always as closely linked in practice as they are in popular conception. 
Even when opponents of a measure resort to extended debate or other tactics of delay, supporters may not decide to seek closure. Although this situation seems to have been more common in earlier decades than today. In recent times, by contrast, Senate leadership has increasingly made use of cloture as a normal tool for managing the flow of business on the floor, even when no evident filibuster has yet occurred. It would be erroneous to assume the presence or absence of cloture attempts is is a reliable guide to the presence or absence of filibusters, inasmuch as filibustering does not depend on the use of any specific rules, whether a filibuster is present is always a matter of judgment. It is also a matter of degree. Filibusters may be conducted with greater or lesser determination and persistence. For all these reasons, It is not feasible to construct a definitive list of filibusters. The following discussion focuses chiefly on the conduct of filibusters through extended debate and on cloture as a means of overcoming them. The report does not encompass all possible contingencies or consider every relevant precedent Though it identifies key modifications to the rule and its application in recent years, authoritative information on cloture procedure can be found under that heading in Riddick's Senate Procedure. Senators and staff also may wish to consult the Senate parliamentarian on any question concerning the Senate's procedural rules, precedents, and practices. U.S. Congress Senate, Riddick Senate Procedure, Precedents and Practices by Floyd M. Riddick, Parliamentarian Emeritus, and Alan S. Fruman, Parliamentarian. The Conduct of Filibusters Conducting a filibuster by extended debate is potentially potentially straightforward, although it can be physically demanding. A senator seeks recognition and once recognized speaks at length. When that first senator concludes and yields the floor, another senator seeks recognition and continues the debate. Even if the Senate continues in the same legislative day, the debate can proceed in this way until all the participating senators have made their two speeches on the pending question then it usually is possible to offer an amendment or make some other motion to create a new debatable question on which the same senators can each make two more speeches. 
There is no need for the participating senators to monopolize the debate. What is important is that someone speak, not that it be someone on a given side of the question. Although one purpose of a filibuster is to try to change the minds of senators who support the question being debated. The purpose of delay is served by any senator speaking or being available to initiate procedural actions regardless of which side of the question he or she takes. Germaneness of debate. More often than not, there is no need for the debate to be germane to the question being considered, with one important exception. Paragraph 1b of Rule 19 requires that Debate be germane each calendar day during the first three hours after the Senate begins to consider its unfinished or pending legislative business. The time consumed by the majority and minority leaders and any speeches during routine morning business at the beginning of a daily session is not included in this three-hour period. The Senate can waive this germaneness requirement by unanimous consent or by agreeing to a non-debatable motion for that purpose. Like the two-speech rule, this germaneness requirement usually is not enforced. During filibusters, however, senators may be called upon to comply with this requirement on debate when it is in effect. In practice, this does not put much extra burden on participating senators because speeches made during filibusters are likely to be germane. Yielding the floor and yielding for questions. A senator who has the floor for purposes of debate must remain standing and must speak more or less continuously. Complying with these requirements obviously becomes more of a strain as time passes. However, senators must be careful when they try to give some relief to their colleagues who are speaking. Senate precedents prohibit senators from yielding the floor to each other. If a senator simply yields to a colleague, the chair may hold that the senator has relinquished the floor. This is another Senate procedure that often is not observed during the normal conduct of business on the floor. However, during a filibuster involving extended floor debate, senators are much more likely to insist on it being observed. A senator may yield to a colleague without losing the floor only if the senator yields for a question. With this in mind, a colleague of a filibustering senator may give that senator some relief by asking him or her to yield for a question. The senator who retains control of the floor must remain standing while the question is being asked. The peculiar advantage of this tactic is that it sometimes takes senators quite some time 
to ask their question and the presiding officer is reluctant to force them to state their question before they are ready to do so. In this way, participating senators can extend the debate through an exchange of what sometimes are long questions followed by short answers rather than by relying exclusively on a series of long interrupted speeches. During a filibuster, however, the clerk may be directed by the leadership to call the roll more rapidly if a roll call vote were in progress. Doing so reduces the time the quorum call consumes, but it also creates the real possibility that the quorum call may demonstrate that a quorum in fact is not present. In that case, the Senate has only two options, to adjourn or take steps necessary to secure the presence of enough absent senators to create a quorum. Typically, the majority leader or the majority floor manager opts for the latter course and makes a motion that the sergeant-at-arms secure the attendance of absent senators, then asks for a roll call vote on that motion. Senators who did not respond to the quorum call are likely, come to, are likely to come to the floor for the roll call vote on this motion. Almost always, therefore, the vote establishes that a quorum is present, so the Senate can resume its business without the sergeant-at-arms actually having to execute the Senate's directive. And that's in quorums and quorum calls.